How's it going, everybody, and welcome into the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Monday, November 9th. Doing something a little different to start off this week. Bringing back college football to the show um, in kind of in a little bit of a different format than, than when it first started off last year. Um, you know, everything that I did surrounding college football in regards to podcasting or quick hits, it was all NFL-based. So it was, you know, uh, taking a look at some mock drafts, some player evaluation, um, and I was doing those episodes on Monday to start off the week. Um, and, and we're going to change it up a little bit, uh, mostly just because this year I, I feel like is the first time really in my entire lifetime that I've been really in on watching as much college football as possible. You know, I wasn't too into college football growing up. I was more just an NFL guy, so you give me my Sundays and I'm happy. Um, and, and then this year, you know, whether it's, you know, me having, you know, less things to do on Saturday because of the pandemic or, or for whatever reason, I've just been watching nonstop college football. Um, you know, and even into my time in college where I got a little bit more into college football, I was also covering, you know, the James Madison football team on Saturday. So I couldn't really watch everything else going around the uh, landscape of college football. I had to spend all my time on, on an FCS program. So um, really want to want to try and bring this element into the show. So we're going to do Mondays. We're going to just kind of do a, a big recap of the previous week of college football, give some updates on, you know, Heisman race. Uh, maybe some some top ten as we take a look as as the season you know nears toward its end point um, and, and be able to take a look at playoff projections you know conference news stuff going around um, really the landscape of college football and so I'm excited to do this so this will be our Monday episodes moving forward our our NFL recap episodes will now be on Tuesday uh, that way we get to incorporate Monday Night Football which is nice you know I've kind of been leaving that one to the dust a little bit um, just. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, um, got a, got a little lazy. I, I can do more than a couple podcasts a week, so try and put out as much as possible. And then this time we'll talk about some uh, some college football. So, um, really, we're we're gonna talk about some of the biggest games of the week first. Uh, then we'll move on to take a look at um, you know Heisman standings this point into the season. Um, and then take a look as, of, of course, we move forward into the, uh, the top 10, the playoff projections, and, and work our way through the rest of the season. So, yeah, it was a fun week of, of college football. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that I also want to note, too, is if, if you are someone that is interested in, in sports gambling in, in regards to the college football landscape, um, and maybe this is something we can throw into a podcast somewhere. I'm still trying to think of some later week stuff where we can still incorporate the upcoming week of college football. Um, but make sure to head over to my Twitter uh, every Saturday morning. I give you my, my picks for uh, for the upcoming you know slate of college football. I think the last three weeks on a pretty good run, uh, 36 and 17, I want to say, have had three winning weeks in a row on college football. So you know if you're interested in the betting landscape, head over there. I'll usually give some some fun over unders and uh, and spreads that I like for the day. Um, but it, it, it really was an interesting week. Um, you know, let's start off with the most important game of the week. We had, uh, of course, Clemson and Notre Dame facing off um, in Notre Dame. Uh, Clemson falls short in overtime. Uh, Notre Dame wins this one 47-40. They're 7-0 now. Clemson uh, is 7-1. Notre Dame now the AP, let's see, I believe they were put in at number three, I believe. Number three now, or number two, ahead of Ohio State. 
Um, really, really interesting game here. Uh, you know, DJ Uyalele, Uyangalele. Sorry, I, I was getting, I was prepping for that this morning. DJ Uyangalele. Uh, he's a great quarterback. Look, there's there's um, a whole lot to be said about the way that in his second career start uh, to be thrown into an environment like Notre Dame. Um, you know, just given the fact that you're replacing really, you know, the, the, the hottest thing in college football. I know he, he you know, kicked off his uh, starting uh, football career last week against Boston College, and, and that went, um, you know, well with the second half comeback. And, and they tried to make one in, in this game as well, too. I mean, you take a look at the second half, they outscored him 20-10 to 10 to tie things up and to go into overtime. Of course, um, they got, you know, some, they got set back on that second overtime drive and just it, it was it was over at that point once it was I believe second and long or even third and long too it was just it was over at that point but DJ Uyangalele looked great uh, for the college football world that was maybe hoping they'd get a break you know if you're an ACC team and you're like okay we just had years of Deshaun Watson we had to deal with years of Trevor Lawrence please for the good heavenly lords can we please stop getting these freak quarterback prospects into Clemson Sorry, DJ Uyangalele will be another name playing on Sundays in just a few years. He is an extremely impressive quarterback and a freak of nature physically. I mean, that man is is massive. Um, and you know I love my big quarterbacks, so I'm going to love watching him for the next few years. He was great. 24 of 40, 29 of 44, 439, two touchdowns, zero picks. Um, really, where it came down to, they couldn't get much going in the, in the ground game. Uh, talk about, you know, Travis Etienne did a lot through the air, you know, eight catches, 57 yards. But I mean, you take a look at these rushing totals, 18 carries, 28 yards, one touchdown. He had a long carry of 13 yards too. So you take that away and it's 17 carries for 15 yards. Um, not being able to have a balanced offense really, really plagued him here. And, and Notre Dame really did sell out on stopping the run and did so successfully. I mean, especially, you know, as soon as Notre Dame took a pretty big lead, they had to abandon the run a little bit just for the sake of, of the clock. Um, but still, that being said, you take a look. The difference in the game here is not is not quarterback play. You know, I'm not a big Ian Book guy. Uh, you know, maybe he could be a, a, a very late round pick for a team that's just like a nice character to have in, in a quarterback room. Um, he, he had a good, you know, a decent game, 22 of 39, 310, one touchdown. Uh, but the difference here is that is the ground game. I mean, you take a look at Clemson's rushing total, 33 carries for 34 yards and a long rush of 13 yards. And meanwhile, Notre Dame ran 40 times for 208 yards, three touchdowns and a long rush of 65 yards. That's the difference right there. Um, you know, Clemson just wasn't able to have a balanced offense. Notre Dame was. They took that early lead. We're in control. They almost let it collapse um, in what seems to be Notre Dame fashion to just let these big, important games just slip through the cracks somehow. Um, but they held tight. They did. And now, you know, of course, as, as I was saying earlier, we take a look at the, the playoff picture. Um, I, I really do think as long as Notre Dame can finish out the season – make it to the ACC title game. And and look, I, I say with Trevor Lawrence in a quarterback, um, even though the difference of that game was the ground game, I think having Trevor Lawrence in there is an upgrade over Uyangalele. Um, so I, I would say if these two teams are meeting back up in the ACC title game, I'm giving the edge that second time around uh, to, to uh, Clemson. But I think at the very least, if Notre Dame can finish through this season – I mean, why, why don't they deserve to be in the college football playoffs? You know, I, I think 
as long as they can keep it close with Trevor this time around, and now you take a look, they are two in the AP polls after being four last week, um, seven and zero. And you take a look at the rest of their schedule. There's not a losable game on there until they get to Clemson again in the ACC uh, title game. I give the edge to Clemson there, um, and I think Notre Dame. You know, unless there's another team that really just it's tough. It's tough. I, it, because at that point, if you're saying Notre Dame is already in with this win over Clemson, I mean, is the college football playoffs already decided then? I mean, it really, it really is coming down to that fourth team. Clemson, as long as they finish out the season without a loss, uh, they'll be in. Alabama, same. Nothing on the schedule really terrifies me with Alabama. They'll be in. And Ohio State, I feel the same way too. No one is really challenging them in that in that conference right now to where I think okay, maybe there's a shot that, that um, you know, Ohio State could fall out. So really at that point, to me, it's still down to is Notre Dame going to uh, be impressive enough against Clemson the second time around where they don't fall out of the playoffs at the end. Now there are some fun teams, you know, circling around. Florida, we'll get to them in just a second. Texas A&M, another fun team. You know, you've got some fun quarterbacks at Cincinnati and BYU. Um, Indiana, got to give them some credit. Uh, the the Pac-12 I just, I don't think any team will be able to really make a push for the college football players in the Pac-12. Also, when you consider their season has started so late, they've got a lot of ground to make up for. And I just, I don't think, you know, if there was anyone that I would consider out of there, it would be Oregon, obviously. I mean, I just don't think that they'll be able to push into the top four no matter how this season goes. Just with what we've seen already, you know, for a month and a half or even two months now of, of college football from some of these other uh, conferences. So then you're saying, okay, the college football playoff field might already be set, which I know is not a crazy thing to say because uh, I think in a year like this where, you know, you're playing all of your conference games, um, you know, it, it's it's just they're at a point where I, I just think it's already been decided. Um, and so, I you know, it, it comes down to Notre Dame for me. Obviously, I, I, I'm not going to say that Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson won't screw up. We've seen it, you know, uh, we've seen it throughout college football history that there's not a ton of uh, – you know, security, I guess, around when, you know, you any given Saturday is, is really what I'm trying to say here. There really is a chance that they could fall out. Um, but if you're just having me guess, I would say that the college football playoffs has already been decided, especially Notre Dame getting a win over the number one team in the country, ending a, what, a three-year-long regular season win streak. Um, it's just a, a really impressive showing. you got to give them credit for doing it. Now it really comes down to how close can you keep it against Trevor Lawrence when you see him in the ACC title game. So a really fun game there between the two of those teams. I do want to touch on Florida for a little bit. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the Gators uh, because, man, oh, man, they blew the roof off of, uh, off of Georgia this past week. Eight versus five, Florida 44 to 28 over Georgia. Georgia now four and two. Uh, that's a wrap. For them, you can you can call it. Um, let's talk let's talk about Georgia first, and then I'll pass it along to my Florida conversation. Georgia, I, I've never been a, a big Georgia guy. I don't know. I, a lot of their prospects that come out, I've always had uh, not questions about, but I definitely for some reason I just never feel great about them. Um, obviously, you know the the biggest miss that I think I've maybe ever had in evaluating players was a guy like Nick Chubb. Um, I put him as a second or third round talent. He was picked in the second round. I said I would rather have, a, a, I think, five or six guys ahead of him in that draft class, and he's been one of the best running backs in football. So that's a miss. 
on that Georgia kid. Uh, but then you think, you know, Sony Michelle, DeAndre Swift is starting to look good. Um, so maybe I just need to stop with my Georgia bias a little bit. But man, take a look at those quarterback stats. Stenson Bennett, they threw in Mathis at the end. Awful game. Awful game. Combined, both of them were 9 for 29, 112 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. You cannot have that level of quarterback play um, if, you're, if you're a program like Georgia. Uh, there's too many good quarterbacks in college football for you to be an elite program like the Georgia Bulldogs are and have this kind of quarterback play. Um, so, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we can, you know, wrap a little bow on Georgia's season. Let's see where they push down to. So they fell all the way down to number 12 in the AP rankings. Uh, Florida moved up to number six. And really the good with Florida that I want to talk about, we got to talk about Kyle Trask. I mean, he's he's been phenomenal this season. I think it's five straight games with four touchdowns uh, through the air, which is an SEC record. Never been done before. He went uh, 30 of 43. 474 yards, four touchdowns, and a bad interception. He did. It was a bad interception early on. Um, but, man, they really carried away that second quarter, outscoring them 24-7. to You go into halftime, the game was over at that point. Um, so Florida kicked a few field goals along the way. Georgia only got one second-half touchdown. And that was the entire game. Um, the, thing with, the thing with Trask is you do have to start giving – a decent amount of consideration when it comes to the Heisman right now. And my Heisman ballot, if I had to go, I mean, Trask has had more games, so maybe that's why I'm just buying into him a little bit more right now. I've seen a lot of love for Justin Fields. Obviously, it makes sense. I believe he's got 11 uh, incomplete passes and 11 touchdown passes. So 11 incompletions, 11 touchdown passes. His season so far has been terrific. Um, they have just lit up every defense uh, so far that they've played in, the, in their first three weeks. Right now, I'm still giving it to, to, uh, to, to Trask a little bit. I give him the upper edge just because I do think it's been impressive what he's done over seven games. Now, obviously, Fields keeps this up. There's no reason to not have him there. Um, it, it's, it's tough because I see things like this, and it's like, I'm reading an athletic article right now, and they polled their staff of Heisman voting, and, and Trask is down at fifth. They've got Justin Fields at first, Mac Jones second, Trevor Lawrence third, Zach Wilson fourth, um, and then Kyle Trask fifth. I just don't get that. I, 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 I get the Justin Fields. I'm just not there yet because it's been three games. I want to see just maybe get to five or six, and we'll take a look at the numbers, and then I'll say, okay, yeah, hands down. It should be Justin Fields. Um, Mac Jones, I, I get it. He's having that Burl-like season. Maybe it's just because I didn't get to watch him on Saturday. But I, I still think just Kyle Trask has been unbelievable. I mean, think about that number that I just said. You know, we've had great quarterback play over the last few years in the SEC with Burl last year, Mac Jones this year. Trask is the one who has five straight games and four touchdown passes. I just don't think he's getting enough recognition. Now, obviously, look, Florida has an uphill battle to climb. They're sixth now. I think all five teams ahead of them are a better complete roster. Um, and, and so, you know, do I really believe that they could make a push towards the postseason? It's, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be tough for them to get in. Obviously, the win above Georgia is a huge uh, starting point for them. But, I mean, I, I just feel like we got to give Trask some more love. I think, you know, just in terms of NFL talk, 
that's a first-round quarterback talent to me. Is it top 15? No, I don't believe so. I think it's first-round talent, though. And I'm really at the point now where I think I think we could get six quarterbacks in the first round. I really do. And I know everybody was amazed by the five quarterbacks that were taken back in, what, 2017 when it was the Baker, the two Joshes, Sam Darnold, and Lamar Jackson. I think we could beat that this year. I mean, Trevor Lawrence and Fields are going one and two if both, you know, teams that are picking one and two need a quarterback, obviously. They'll be off the boards first. Zach Wilson, he is getting a lot of love in there as a now top five. You know, I, I projected... Two weeks ago, I said that he would be a top 10 pick. Um, it's on Twitter somewhere, um, so I can I can confirm that. But I agree at this point. I'd say the way that he has been playing, he is a top five pick. Um, I just, I love the tools about it. See, here's, here's where I differ. Why I would say I have Trask above a guy like Zach Wilson in terms of Heisman voting. I just think that his, his season has been more impressive against tougher opponents, obviously. I just think that he, what he's done so far this year is more impressive. For the NFL, a guy like Zach Wilson, to me, has a much higher ceiling than a guy like Kyle Trask. So that's why I lean a little bit of like, I like Kyle in the Heisman consideration. Taking a look at the draft, though, I love the tools of Zach Wilson more. Um, so... You know, Wilson will probably, to me, end up being a top five pick. I think he is starting to, um, he, he's really starting to become that QB3 for me over Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is magnificent. Um, Trey Lance, to me, is one of those really high floor guys. The ceiling, I'm not entirely sure about. And and look, there's there's going to be a huge thing to talk about as we go through the draft, just how there being no FCS schedule really kind of screwed over Lance a little bit. You know, a full season for teams to look at him instead of one game. Think of the quarterbacks that have been exploding this season and really improving their draft stock. Zach Wilson, number one, just blew up and is now everybody's talking about he's a top 10 pick in this draft class. Uh, Mac Jones, another guy. It's kind of like Joe Burrow last year. The season that he's having, you, you say, okay, this guy is a first round pick. Kyle Trask, another guy like that. Those three names right there all have a college football season, all have a full resume. Everybody is watching them every Saturday. And, and so, you know, you, you feel for Trey Lance because, you know, maybe he should have transferred to a, a place where he could have come in at quarterback and, and maybe shown against some tougher competition at the FBS level. Man, he really could have gained some steam. Um, it, it's going to be tough for him. At this point, you know, of course, there's going to be the offseason workouts and, and the pro day and the combine, all these things where he can remind everybody how great he is. But we have a full season. We'll have a full season at that point of Trask, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, where, look, you've played one game in the last year and, and it was a good game. Sure. You look you look good. But um, I just I really worry for Trey, I guess, in terms of his draft uh position just with how many quarterbacks have really come on strong this college football season. So um, I, I still think that we're people are being too low on Kyle Trask in terms of, of Heisman uh, consideration. And uh, let's take a look at his schedule to see if there'll be some some solid performances he can stretch together um, throughout the rest of the season to uh, to really elevate himself. So let's see. Florida Gators schedule. Let's see what they got the rest of the way. They got Arkansas coming up. Then they've got, okay, so man, you take a look at the rest of their schedule. It's, it's 
it's pretty easy. Arkansas has been a team that's been sneaky this year. They hang around everybody. Obviously came back and beat Tennessee this past week. Florida really doesn't have tough competition the rest of the way. They got Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, and then LSU. All five underwhelming teams right now in the SEC. So really, you know, as long as he keeps true to where he's at, he's going to have dominant games throughout the entire season. So maybe that's just what he needs uh, to really get that Heisman. I would have loved to seen him, you know, go up against a, a tougher team. And obviously, you know, you take a look at what he's done so far this year. You know, they... they um, they destroyed Georgia. They lose to Texas A&M. In that game, he was still impressive, though. 23-32, 3-12-4 touchdowns, zero interceptions. So a really impressive game against a tough team in Texas A&M. Um, you know, aside from that, it's it's Mississippi, South Carolina. So the schedule really isn't uh, isn't that daunting aside from Texas A&M and Georgia this year. Um, but he, he's been more than impressive enough in both of those games. So hopefully that can elevate his uh, his Heisman stock as the rest of the season continues. Uh, is there What other stuff do we want to talk about around the league today? Um, we got some Pac-12 football back in. Uh, really exciting. Um, I, I don't know... I, I don't know if I've ever said it on a podcast before or if it's all just been on my Twitter, but I am just in love with the program that Herm Edwards is building over at Arizona State. Um, I, I've been listening to a lot of people discuss about what's going on in the building, and the biggest thing is that Herm came in and he said, we're going to make this like an NFL program. We are preparing you young men for the pros, so why wouldn't we treat the college football landscape like it is the NFL, to get you prepared for what life is going to be like if you get drafted or if you get picked up by an NFL team? And a lot of players are really finding that to be a, uh, a, a an enticing move to, to commit to a program like Arizona State, where it's like, okay, they don't have the tradition or the history, but they've got some coaches in there that are going to get me ready. Um, so Herm has been magnificent. I mean, they're pulling, you know, five-star recruits or four-star recruits out of the state of Ohio to come to Arizona State. Like, they are crushing it, and, it, and it's early on, so please give them some time. Give Herm some time. I love the program that's being built there. Uh, let's just pull up the numbers because I want to take a look at the game, talk about it itself. You know, they fall to USC in really just a heartbreaking fashion. I, I mean, they should have had that game won by halftime. Uh, they really pulled ahead by the end of the third quarter, and then they give up 14 points right at the end of the game to lose it. Um, you know, on the ground, they were terrific. Arizona State, 38 for 258 yards and two touchdowns. 111 by quarterback JT Daniels, or sorry, Jaden Daniels. Um, and then you take a look, you know, Daniels through the air really wasn't that great. Uh, you know, you take 11 for 23, 134, and one touchdown. Not the best game ever. They didn't have to do a lot. Obviously, they're trying to protect the lead and really run the ball at the end. That's why they ran it 38 total times. Um, yeah, you'd like to see a little bit more from the passing game, but also they were missing their their number one wide receiver got hurt, and they had a lot of young guys playing in their first game ever. There was a top prospect that I believe had three drops in the first half. Um, so young guys at receiver that they're trying to get worked on, of course, an injury too. So that really didn't help out the passing offense and really was able, wasn't able to help them stay balanced throughout the game. I mean, kind of let USC creep back in. And now look, I'm not a USC believer. Um, I think they got very lucky to pull out that win, um, you know, to, to be a top 25 team as they are. 
Do I believe that holds? No, I don't. I don't think that this is a good program. I don't think that the, they have the right coach in place right now. Um, Slavis was great against the Arizona State defense, 40 of 55 for 381 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, balanced rush attack had three guys over with over 45 yards, um, and they've got some. They've got talented receivers at USC. That's one thing I'll say. They can get good receivers there. Drake London was really great. Um, he had uh, over 15 yards a catch, 125 total yards on eight catches and a touchdown. Uh, really exciting guy there. You also have to uh, talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, St. Brown. Um, Sir Amon Ross, St. Brown, sorry if I butchered that, uh, but he had seven catches for 100 yards as well too. So uh, really fun passing offense there at USC. Um, I mean, you take a look. Let's see, they had one, two, three, four, five guys with at least five catches, so they were spreading the ball around. And then, yeah, look, USC got lucky. Arizona State had that game won. Uh, they blew it in a heartbreaking fashion. Um, USC gets the win. I'm more of a buyer into Arizona State than I am uh, USC. Um, and so I, I just think that, you know, it's one of those fluky games. But I really do love what they're building in Arizona State. You know, they're getting some guys in the NFL now, trying to really prove that this is a place where you can – really grow through and, and improve each and every season to where you can get to the NFL. Um, and sure, it starts right now with some later round picks and things like that, but I really do think if Herm is committed to staying there for a while, that this can be a program consistently on the rise. Um, so that was one uh, Pac-12 game that I really enjoyed watching. Uh, the other one, of course, that we got to watch that, that I was really intrigued by was Oregon. Obviously, they move on to 1-0 and start their season off with a win over Stanford, 35-14. to Really just a dominating effort there by the, uh, whew, sorry, by the, um, oh my goodness, why isn't my computer opening? By the Ducks. Uh, take a look, <laughs> they dominated on the ground, 269 yards, four touchdowns um, by four different rushers. Uh, Verdell, Show, Dai, Habibi, Likio, sorry. Practiced that one before the show and I fucked that up. Um, Really, you know, uh, Oregon's that one team there that I would say, like, okay, if they went undefeated, if they had some really convincing wins, they really need the Pac-12 to be strong so they can beat up on them a little bit and then have it be an impressive resume. I just don't think the Pac-12 is is good enough this year where they're, we're going to say, oh, that's an impressive win. Oh, there's another impressive win for Oregon. You know, that's really where I just don't think they'll be able to really separate from that much. They'll be a top-10 team, um, and right now I believe – they were sitting at 12 before the season started. Let's see where they're at now. Apologize for the dead airtime. Uh, Oregon now up to 11 after being at 12 last week. So, you know, they'll creep into the top 10. They'll end up replacing some of these one, two loss teams. You know, Miami, if they were to slip again, um, you know, we'll have to keep an eye out for that. But Oregon, Oregon is the cream of the crop here in the Pac-12 for me. Really the only team in the conference that I would give a legit shot to try and push closer to the playoff picture, but I still don't think. It's just the schedule, starting starting football in November 2, that's an uphill battle, um, one that I think you kind of just hurt yourself with, and, and that's kind of it. But um, really, really fun to get that uh, conference back in action this past weekend. Um, and so hopefully we can uh, enjoy watching. Really, those three teams stand out the most to me as, as exciting teams to watch. You know, USC, obviously, there's a lot to watch this year as they kind of look forward to building that program and finally trying to reestablish themselves um, and stay out of just this, like, meh kind of program. 
Um, so you got to watch them just for like where are they going to go. Oregon, you know, rebounding after losing a guy like Herbert, losing a lot of guys in the draft. You know, having your top left tackle overall prospect opting out for the NFL, for the uh, season so that he can focus on the NFL draft. Um, so Oregon, there's a lot to watch there, replacing a lot of bodies, but I still think they're the cream of the crop. And then the other team that's just really exciting for me is Arizona State. I love the, the coaching staff. Let me just pull it up real quick because they've got some great guys in there just for, um, just for like player development. It's just, it's really intriguing what they've been able to bring in here. So obviously they got Herm as head coach. Um, then they bring in Marvin Lewis as co-defensive coordinator, a guy with NFL experience. Sure, he didn't wasn't always great at the NFL, but was pretty consistent and a good defensive coordinator. So to have him in there, having Zach Hill as your offensive coordinator, um, Antonio Pierce as your other co-defensive coordinator, like they, they just got some dudes in here that are like are really exciting for college prospects to say, okay, these guys have been around. They've got some experience. You know, Marvin, Marvin was such a great get. Um, they brought him in uh, this past offseason. He spent 25 years in the NFL um, and, and really just I, I think that what they're building here is great. It's a fun coaching staff, a lot of smart minds, and um, you, you kind of need that for a program that is trying to grow. You have to start somewhere. You have to make a big splash. You have to get the right guys in the building, and it seems in just a few years that they've done that, um, and it all starts with, with Herm up there. Speaking of, of a program like this, and this is where we'll wrap up the show with one final talk here, um, you know, in terms of building up a program to what it should be, uh, we got to talk about Michigan. Um, and, and they lose by 17 to Indiana on Saturday. They fall to one and two. Um, and, and it's been ugly. It's been, it's been really ugly for, for Michigan. You know, Joe Milton had, uh, had, a, had an okay game. You know, it wasn't awful. 18 to 34, threw for a lot of yards, 344, three touchdowns, but also two interceptions. Nothing on the ground game. Absolutely nothing. Your leading rusher, six carries for 19 yards. Um, why they only ran the ball 18 times, I do not know. It wasn't really, it wasn't terribly far out of reach at times. You go into halftime and you're down 24 to 7. So at that point, it's like, oh shit, we got to throw the ball on the second half. But I mean, going into the second quarter, you were only down one score for a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that here's my thing with Michigan. People, we need to acknowledge that they were never at the level you know, they were never at the elite level of like a Notre Dame or a Clemson or an Ohio State of this decade. They were never that. You know, they didn't have a ton of uh, 10 plus win seasons. You know, John Harbaugh has been, or excuse me, uh, Jim Harbaugh has been a good coach at Michigan. He has. It just, it's not, it's not Ohio State level. It's not elite level. Um, you know, and I think that's the, the problem that people need to understand is like, yes, he was supposed to be this massive hire and he has consistently made them a winning football team up until this year, starting one and two, where it's kind of just been like, Ooh, what's going on? Um, but before this year, it was, it was a really good football program. It just look when the big guys came around, when Ohio state came around they're they're at an elite level, you know, Ohio state and, and these programs are, you have to appreciate what they've been able to accomplish. And so I give more credit to the Ohio States of the world and the Alabamas of the world than I do try to discredit what Harbaugh has done at Michigan. Now this year might be a little bit of a different story. You know, losing to Indiana, losing to Michigan State, um, really two tough losses to take early in the season. Can they recover from this? Will be a, how, how they rebound from this slow start will say a lot about you know what I think about Harbaugh, 
what I think about his future at the, at the college level. Would he make a jump back into the NFL if, it, if he decided that this just wasn't the right fit? But I really do think he's getting too harshly criticized because, I mean, giving him crap for the Indiana and Michigan State losses, I get. I really do. I, I get it. It makes sense. Those are games that you were brought in to win. You were brought in to beat Michigan State. You were brought in to beat Indiana. You were brought in to go through the regular season and then contend with a Penn State, Ohio State. You were supposed to be that second team there challenging Ohio State. And you've been that. You've been that sometimes. And when Ohio State comes around, you get thumped. That's just what you were brought in. I just I don't think we're giving Harbaugh enough credit for what he's doing here because at the end of the day, it's not winning the conference title or going to the college football playoffs or you know winning a really high level bowl game like that's just not what he's done and i don't think we should have expected michigan to be that they never were that he's taken them to a level of consistency which is what is uh, what is what i would appreciate from harbaugh and say okay that's the good that you've done consistently we are a uh, high volume winning football team um and you know, I, will it come to an end? Maybe this season just falls completely off the rails and he says, screw this. There's a lot of fun NFL jobs available. Get me back up into the pro ranks. Um, I know that I'm a good coach. I just, the problem we also have to consider here too is, is look, recruiting, recruiting to Michigan just is, is a tough thing to do. You know, where, where is the history or the, the pride or, you know, Ohio State is on this terrific run with the last decade where it's like, okay, we're just consistently churning out every position of the NFL. Every position. We've got offensive linemen in the NFL, defensive linemen in the NFL, cornerbacks in the NFL, linebackers in the NFL, receivers. Quarterback's really the only position where you say, okay, Fields will be the first one to really crush it. Um, all the other quarterbacks have kind of been, meh, you know, coming out of Ohio State. But running backs, you know, every position outside of tight end and quarterback so far goes to the NFL. They have that tradition now. Alabama has the same thing where, you know, outside of quarterbacks before Tua uh, and, you know, probably before Mac Jones, every position was getting into the NFL. Every position. Clemson's doing the same thing. Every position is getting into the NFL. Michigan isn't that. They don't have that recruiting base where they can say, no matter what position you are, you're going to come here and you're going to get to the NFL. They're not that type of program. So we got to really, we got to say that we, we can say that this season is a really bad blemish. Or so far, it's a really bad stain on Harbaugh's tenure in Michigan, but he's made them consistent. So I think we got we to gotta acknowledge the bad of this year, but also give him credit for, for building a consistent program here at Michigan over the last few years. Um, so where the rest of the year goes, who knows? Um, let's take a look at their upcoming schedule just to see. Uh, we'll take a look. Sorry, it's taking a while to load. All right, so the rest of the schedule... They've got uh, 13 Wisconsin scheduled for the 14th. I'm not sure if that's even happening because of, of the cocoa. But you take a look at the rest of the schedule. It's got Wis uh, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. Man, that's a really – I mean, Maryland has looked impressive this past week. Just dominated Penn State after being 20-point underdogs heading into it. Penn State, you've got the week before, finishing it off with Ohio State. Look, this is probably just going to be a lost season for Harbaugh. I don't know what will happen beyond this season, how bad it gets, if he does decide that he wants to make that jump back into the pros. I wouldn't blame him because I really do think that he's at he, – he's getting so much unfair criticism here. He really is to me. Um, I can acknowledge that this season is not going the way that they want it to. 
Um, and I can acknowledge that, you know, fans obviously want to be spending a lot of money on a head coach and consistently be getting to the college football playoffs. But we have to realize that market is owned by three teams and then a fourth kind of sneaks in. It's owned by Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. So, it, you know, I just feel like there's so much criticism around him because he's a big name, because he's paid a lot, because he's, you know, the Michigan guy. He, he's just getting way too much shit, I feel like. You know, they, they're consistently winning games year after year. So I, I, I don't know. I don't love the criticism on him. I acknowledge that this year is not a great one. But I think, I think what he did was he made Michigan consistent after they weren't for a little bit. So that's kind of where I stand out with Harbaugh. Um, I think he's a good coach. It's just It just hasn't worked, and he's getting so much shit for it. I wouldn't want to be the coach there if I was getting this much shit for winning you know, 9, 10 games a year. So um, That'll wrap it up for today's episode. I know we're kind of just going around the league and kind of talking some different things. We touched on the ACC, the SEC, the Pac-12. Um, the only other thing I guess I would want to mention is, and I talked a little bit about it in the Heisman consideration, is Justin Fields is amazing. There is no doubt in my mind that he is the number two quarterback in this draft class. And look, it might be pretty close to Trevor Lawrence by the end of the year. I'm just saying. I mean, this is one of the most efficient quarterbacks we've ever seen. His arm is unbelievable. His accuracy, his timing. I mean, 11 incompletions this year to 11 passing touchdowns. He's got rushing touchdowns too, so don't forget that. He's undoubtedly, you know, the number two quarterback in this class. He'll be a top two pick as long as, you know, a team isn't... Um, as long as a team, you know, is trading up to number two, say if a, you know, a situation like the Cowboys or the Giants, they want to hold on to their quarterbacks. The, the second team that needs a quarterback is going to take Justin Fields. That's just where it's at at this point. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, there will be a lot of quarterbacks taken in the first round. But to me, it's, it's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then the rest of them. Um, really terrific start of the season for him and Ohio State. They've, they've been impressive. To me, they look like a top-four team and should be in the playoffs. So I know we didn't spend a whole lot of time on their game um, with Rutgers. Rutgers kind of held around at the end in that fourth quarter, but uh, still a really solid game for Ohio State, and they'll continue on through the rest of the season and probably go undefeated until we get in that college football playoffs. So that'll wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for listening to this uh, college football episode. I enjoy it. We'll, we'll keep doing this every Monday. Uh, tomorrow, we'll come out the NFL recap, and then we'll go later in the season with some league-wide topics. Teddy will be back on for picks against the spread for week 10 of the NFL season next week. Uh, wasn't a great week for either of us. I still edged him out by a couple of games, um, but you know we we're pretty, pretty average this week when it, when it comes to picking against the spread. Um, make sure to like, subscribe, review, share this podcast with your friends. We're getting things rolling. We're, I'm setting up finally a, a studio. I'm thinking we can incorporate some video content uh, to go up on YouTube or wherever for this show. Um, so kind of working on building a, a mini type of studio in this second empty bedroom I've got in my place. So we've got things in the works here to, uh, to make things a little bit more fun for the show and try different things. So uh, one of those being putting out a college football show. So really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, thank you so much. My name is Blake Pace, and I will see you tomorrow recapping week nine of the NFL season. Peace.